has. Wilton makes a run ahead of it. Bergkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Bergkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to a Bergkamp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast, still. My name is Chris. I am your host for this fine, fabulous season. A season that is now underway. Lights are up. Charge is full. We are off and running. And... I'm very happy to say we will be talking about an opening day victory. None of that Brentford bollocks. No, we can put all that behind us. We are talking a 2-0 win at Crystal Palace. Amongst other things, we have plenty of delights for you, dear listener. So let's get into it. I shall introduce my cohorts for this evening first and foremost. Uh, at the top right, where he likes to be most, it's Mr John Welsh. John, how are you doing? I'm very good, mate. Um, season started. We got a win. Nothing like last season. A um, few funny results as well from the weekend that are always amusing to just add in just a little bit of extra spice on top. So, yeah, very happy. I'm sure we'll make some time to uh, laugh at Man United amongst others. I'm sure we'll find that time to do that. So, yes, we certainly will. And uh, down at the bottom there is Mr. Femster. Fermi, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. I mean, we started on a, we've got a positive goal difference after one game, which I can't remember when we, <laughs> when, when we got that last season, when we went into positive. But yeah, it's a good good start to the season. Looking forward to talking about it with you guys. Absolutely. And talk we shall. I will just quickly introduce, well, I say introduce, have a little uh, have a little look over at the chat. Thank you for everyone who is joining us live. Um, some bloke called Danny. I don't know who he is. He sounds like a right wrong one. Um, MJL is also joining us on live on Twitch. So thank you, MJL. Um, twerk for work, silly willy. That's a bit sus. I think that might be one of John's alternative accounts there. We'll skip past that one. And Avon. Avon's always here. Um, and somebody who will be tuning into this podcast and will listen to this later on, I'm sure. Mr. Paul Turner. Evening, sir. I did promise. Right, let's crack on then and talk about the Crystal Palace game. I shall start with you, Fab. Why not? Just overall thoughts in general. We're not going to spend time going through the whole team lineup, but much what you expected in terms of what we put out there and the performance overall, fair to say, good in patches, some areas to work on, good result. Would that be a fair reflection? Yeah, you said everything. Um, to be fair, I think um, on, on the team sheet, one of the things that I've seen pointed out by um, a couple of managers, actually, is that we had the most settled side they saw in, in pre-season, that they didn't expect to see a team, you know, put out the same 11 sort of two games in a row before the season started. So we kind of gathered, OK, this is going to be... The team that started so the team that started against Chelsea and Sevilla is a team that started which is is very unusual even for, for for me supporting Arsenal I've never known us to be so structured in pre-season so it means they mean serious business but yeah um started well um kind of went off the rails but in a controlled way rather than a panicky way if, if that makes sense we 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 seem to go into our shells a bit after the after the goal 
but you know we we still didn't give up a lot of chances which is a good sign i guess um i i mean for an away game i i think it's pretty much expected in this league you know especially for the first game nerves uh memories of last year on a friday night um you know sky were already whipping it all up at the beginning of the game uh, they were talking to fans. Gary Neville was talking to fans, and they were yeah, all, all of that stuff. So, no, we 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 it was nervy, but you know I, you can excuse it as as a first game, especially considering if you look at some of the other results and performances from from other teams as well over the weekend. It's it, it can be nervy that first game. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely was. Uh, John, as as you know, I was uh, in the middle of the water on Friday, so uh, I, I can confirm I did get score updates i literally in the middle of the ocean on a boat and i still got uh score updates although martinelli's goal seemed to come through a little bit later and then as i stepped off the boat the own goal went in so that was good uh, and i can confirm dolphins were seen but that aside overall sort of sitting back in in your armchair and watching that game your thoughts sort of similar to to fems in in terms of you don't expect us to go out there and be peak invincibles from the off, do you? It's kind of all about going to grounds like like Palace, nullifying uh, Louis Saha and he's, he's falling over his own feet. Um, and Berice Eze, I think it's pretty good on the night as well. It, it's just all about nullifying the threat, taking your chances when they come along, which we did, and and winning the game. That is literally all that matters, isn't it? The performance can come as we get as we go into deeper into the season. Yeah, I think I predicted 4-1, which, if you look at the chances both teams had in the game, probably was about right. Like, we we definitely had more chances. There wasn't a lot, but there was a few that other ones we should have taken. Palace, like, definitely, like, Eze must be actually kicking himself that he didn't score. Um, I mean, it's a good save from Ramsdale, but Eze should be doing better there. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, it's a tough game. Um, I think... I could be wrong, but I think Palace only lost like four games at home last season, something like that. They've had a kind of disrupted pre-season as well, because I think like half their squad was in Australia and half was here. It's like a bit all over the place. Um, so I don't think they were quite at the level, but you saw like how quickly we came out is what I expect us to be doing in most games, pressing really hard in front. We're still doing that thing where we get the goal and then drop off a little bit too much. And I think when the guys are pressing from the front, the defence needs to step up and compact the pitch a bit. And obviously Saliba's new in the team, White's playing out of position, um, although he did very, very well there against one of the best wingers of the league. And it's a really good Palace side, like you said. Like, I mean, people mock Zaha, but there's a reason he gets goals and assists every single season. He, he's a good player and he's a pain in the ass to play against. As a, I would be surprised if he's still at Palace next season. Um, if he has an injury-free season, I'd imagine one of the big clubs is going to come in and try and snap him up because he, he looks like a really, really good player. Um, <clears throat> and they've got other good players in there, you know, uh, like IU, I know he's older and whatever, but he's experienced, he knows how to do it. And Vieira's shown last season that he's a manager who can adapt within games. I think after that sort of 25, 30-minute spell, we got the goal. Palace adapted and then we didn't quite adapt quick enough. Second half, we got control back a little bit again. And then obviously the second goal killed it. But um, yeah, it was it was much what I expected. Knew it was going to be a tough game. And to be honest, it's probably better that we play Palace now rather than a month or two into the season. Because it doesn't really matter how good a pre-season you have. You can win every single game. You can play against the best teams in the world. But until you get into an actual match day, that's when the 
sort of game fitness comes in properly. Um, and it will be probably three or four games until every team is properly fully up to speed uh, and playing at the pace they can for a full 90 minutes. But yeah, really pleased. Debuts from Zinchenko and Jesus were great. Um, Saliba was fantastic. Uh, really enjoyed watching him play. Um, I thought Ben White was really good at right back. Um, yeah, and just, you know, all of them did their job really well and another set piece goal as well, which is nice to see because it's something we had been missing for a long time and since Arteta's come in, he's really worked on that defensively, making us better from set pieces, but also offensively as well. Um, mm. So, yeah, just really pleased all round. And all, the other good thing as well was to see Tierney back on the bench and to get a few minutes in his legs mm. as well. Um, not that I thought Zinchenko was bad, but it's having someone there pushing you constantly for that competition and then the manager saying, oh, hang on a minute, well, I still want Zinchenko in the team. Well, now he's going to be pushing Jacker or Partey or someone for a midfield spot as well. So it just increases the competition within the squad and the more fit players we've got, the more selections is, is, is much better for us. Yeah, yeah, competition for places is key. And uh, a little word for the kit as well. That's, that's a beauty, isn't it? That's, that's yeah, when, that was weird because when I first saw it, like in pre-season, I was like, I don't know about that. And it wasn't anything to do with it being pink. Like I've loved Palermo's kits for years, but I was, I was just like, I don't know, it didn't quite look like it. But on the pitch, yeah, mm. really, really nice. So that's yeah, probably it's another... Brilliant. 70 odd quid I'm going to have to spend on another shirt now yeah the blue shorts rinsing me the blue shorts didn't they the blue shorts were yeah, really, yeah. I it's, didn't it's expect the, them to go well together they were like yeah. okay, this is it's one of those really... kits that it looks good as a flow a whole a whole <laughs> yeah. uniform doesn't it yeah and also uh, we have the tendency to wear like we have Adidas tend to do that chain shorts things don't they where occasionally you have to wear different shorts imagine it with pink shorts <laughs> Anywho, let's move on. Um, we'll, we'll have a look at some of the individual performances. John touched on on one man there. Um, he's French, so naturally he is one of the best players in the world, obviously. We all know this. Um, William Saliba, uh, I kind of cheekily tweeted, I told you he was good because I have been telling people for a while he's very, very good, and, and he proved that on, on mm. Friday night. It wasn't, it, it wasn't just how well a put or how good a performance he put in it's for me it's it's how easily he seems to have slotted into the club he's quite a quiet reserve player off the off the field um on the field his personality comes out you know he he's dominant he's phys- he's a physical specimen he plays with a physical nature athletic for, for me he's kind of the, the comparisons with with the young Rafa Varane are there and I feel like he, if he gets a run in the team, we're going to have a, a serious sort of um, situation arising if we don't get that contract signed pretty soon. It's one performance. We're not going to go over the top. But to go into that atmosphere, make your debut, come away with the Man of the Match award and just look completely seamless and at home, it's quite the compliment to the young lad, isn't it? Just 21. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw it. Uh, I can speak about pre-match. Um one thing that hasn't been made of uh, by obviously people outside of Arsenal is that he was there. You know, a lot, on, the first time that anyone focused on him was pre-match when Sky Sports said, oh, well, you know, this guy, he was in France and he was young player of the year and Gary Neville and, and, and Jamie Carragher spoke about him a bit. And that's the first time any pundit or anyone has paid attention to the fact that he's back at the club. Then... I saw him smile in a warm-up for the first time. That's the first time I've seen him smile. He is 
a very serious character. He looks like mm. he, he just wants to do his job. He knows what he's there for, and he doesn't have time for any games. And I, I just love that about him. And then performance on the pitch, calm, cool, collected. It's quite funny because for me, the, his partner next to him looked a little bit flustered most of the game. You know, he was kicking the ball here and there, erratic passing, panicking when, you know, when him and Ramsdale just between them were a bit panicky after, you know, for a few minutes. But Saliba was just like this calm, cool collector for 21 years old i mean that's that's immense and as you're saying with his, i mean we won't dwell too much on his contract but one thing that it did remind me of the mistake that we don't want to make is a mistake chelsea made with um christensen isn't it mm. where they sent him on loan sent him on loan and then his contracts basically ran out <laughs> you know they sent him on loan so he was ready to start for them then his contract ran out so I think it would be good to get him signed up, you know. He, but I think he needs to feel the love as well, you know. He 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 might not have felt the love, he might have felt a bit distant from the club, you know, um, the first couple of years, you know, of his time there. But he looks, he like you said, he looks to have just settled right in. Um, there's not as many, you know, French players um, as there were in the past at Arsenal, but he looks, you know, to to, to have settled in. You know, he's got players like Pepe. And just a few of them, but you know he he'll grow into it. There's a lot of players of his age group, and he speaks good English. You know when he did sign for us, remember the f- the first year that he stayed at Senetian. We um you can confirm this. There was rumours that he was having you know French lessons. Um, uh, sorry, French lessons, English, English lessons. lessons yeah. yeah, and he looks like he's he's that's really done him well to to have that period of adaptation in terms of the language and everything so you know it's all upwards now Let, let's just keep the momentum up you know you'll you'll get plenty of game time you know and mm. we like you said about the hype as well we just have to make sure that we as the fan base you know he's going to make mistakes you know whether he's an old young defender or old defender van dyke makes mistakes diaz makes me he's going to make a mistake let's not kill him when he does make a mistake Let's just enjoy, you know, just just watching a, a great young defender, which, you know, we haven't sort of had for a long time at Arsenal. No, no, I, I would argue that it's probably as far back as, probably as far back as Tony Adams. I, mean, I can't think of any players that I'm not comparing him to, to Tony, but you know, players who've come through or been signed young and come through. I mean, Fabregas is the obvious one in midfield, but I can't think of a centre back who's Senderos. come. Yeah, those are the only ones I can think of that absolutely, came Absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> Thank you, Danny, for that on the screen there. Um, yeah, and, and as for Saliba, yeah, he he he's that guy who you know when you all went into the changing rooms in PE in year ten, and you all had a good look at each other and went, oh, and then he sort of looked down at you and went, good evening, and you looked up at him and went, hi. He, he was that guy. He was definitely. I, I think. I think he was. I think he was the, the, the. You know, the big apple, wasn't he, in that dressing room? He's. Uh, he's a very assertive presence. I think it's fair to say. Um, John, um, I, I sort of feel like we should have like a klaxon for this because I'm always going to come to you um, about this particular player. But somebody who I, I don't think has had necessarily too much fanfare about him was, was Granite Xhaka. I thought he was really good in this particular game. Um, he's got a fantastic tan as well, hasn't he? Wherever he went on his summer holidays, that that was that was a good good spot. But um, tan aside, 
he looked he looked really good in this game and it, and it it just shows what a player with i think it's fair to say even without being too critical he's a limited mobility mm. type of player um when he's got mobility around him i.e. Zinchenko coming into midfield that fluid midfield partner with thomas Partey, the wingers martinelli gabriel jesus etc it just makes him look 10 times quicker doesn't it because the play goes through him rather than stops at him if that makes sense i thought he transitioned really well between that defense and attack on uh, on friday night yeah he's i mean he's always had the ability if he's got someone making a run he can make the pass he just has to have the movement around him and what we've had with jacko whilst he's played in midfield is either he hasn't had a midfield partner next to him because he's limited. He's not the quickest. He can't turn massively quick. Um, but now he's got Partey next to him. It makes it a lot easier for him. And before he would have Tierney, which was a good ball, not that Tierney's a bad player, but he's a little one-dimensional in the way he plays fullback. And Zinchenko is very different, that he can go outside or in. He's got Martinelli and he's got Jesus who will drop in deep and come and receive the ball or make different runs to... Whereas Lacazette would drop in, he would play sort of within the width um, of the of the twelve yards, really. Whereas Jesus will play wing to wing, you know, the the full width of the pitch, um, basically from the front all the way to almost defensive midfield at times. He can drop into, and if he's got that kind of movement around him, you give Jack of the ball and he'll pick a pass for you. Doesn't matter where it is on the pitch, whether it's five yards or, or fifty, he'll be able to do that. Um, it does. It, there's no denying he's a limited player, and he always has been. And as much as I love him, if we can get an upgrade in that position, I, I would obviously take it. But I think if people really go back and look at the best results we've had, the best runs of games we've had in the past, well, under Arteta and even under Emery and the end of the Wenger era, Xhaka has been in pretty much most of those runs and been one of the best players in the team. But he's what he does is almost is quiet and sort of it's not flashy, so it doesn't get noticed. Um but yeah, some of the balls he played through, like I mean he used to do it at Gladback all the time. The ball in between the fullback and the centre back, like that that pass that he does, he just nails it. The pace on the ball, the distance, everything is so good. And if you've got players like Zinchenko, Martinelli, Jesus, Saka coming over and switching sides as well and can make that run into that channel, he, he's gonna find them all day. Um, and it relieves that relieves a bit of the pressure off of Thomas Party as well in the fact that he doesn't have to do the okay, I'm gonna go and receive the ball from the defense, I've got to turn out, get past maybe two players, and then try and find a, a pass to release Odegaard or Saka or someone like that. It means that Partey doesn't have to do as much work in midfield now because Xhaka's got more options around him. Um so yeah, I, I think it the, the way the squad is built now and the fact that we've got different options for fullback, um, that you can play Tierney, who's slightly more traditional, or you can play Zinchenko, and you can even play Tommy Asu if you want to be like really defensive and, and have Tom, Tommy Asu and White as, as your two fullbacks who tuck in more, but will we'll sit a little bit more, who could then release Xhaka and Partey. It, it really changes our options and what you can do on the pitch. Um, mm. But it, it's I, I was watching the, the All or Nothing uh, documentary obviously the first three episodes and there was a really good part in it where um, Arteta was he had two screens with positions of players and numbers 
and he asked the players to write down and uh, try and memorise. It was a very funny bit with Pepe, actually, if anyone hasn't <laughs> seen it, where Pepe is like, shaking his head, like really worried. He's going, no, 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 Nico, it's fine. It's not an exam. You're not going to get in trouble if you get it wrong. <laughs> and the majority of the players could only remember the people around the position where they would normally be on the pitch. They couldn't remember any of the other numbers or where they should be. They, they were sort of getting 50%, 60%. And it's more about drilling into the players that when you get the ball, wherever you are on the pitch, you know almost without looking that you've got a pass there, pass there, pass there. The, the player should already be in those positions for you. So realistically, the way the team is playing now, it's about making the man who's got the ball, making his job super easy and everyone else is doing the work around him. And then the moment you release the ball is then moving into that next position and then making the next guy's job even easier. Um, and then that, and if you've got, like like you said, Jack had limited player, but his strength is his passing. So if you give someone who can pass the ball really, really well, people like Erdegaard, people like uh, Partey, if you give them options, they're going to find space. Um, mm. and I, I know people were worried this season about not having a different option up front because of like the low block and everything, and maybe we need a big target man, that sort of thing. But I think with the amount of movement you have in the team now and the amount of really good passes we've got on the ball, you don't need a big target. You just need people constantly moving the opposition team around, and they don't know who they're supposed to be tracking. And you just need one pass through. And we've got some really good finishes in the side now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really pleased with Xhaka. And I, I honestly, I think I said pre-season as well, I think this probably will be his best season in an Arsenal shirt. Um, do, do you think just on that lines, if hmm. we were to go after Yuri Tillemans, who yeah. for the record was, was very good on Sunday from what, hmm. what I've heard from Leicester fans, I've been thinking this for a couple of weeks now and I've, I've not, um, gone public with it because uh, I don't really want people outside my house with lanterns. <laughs> um, but I actually wonder if Tielemans is being eyed as as an addition to Xhaka rather than a replacement. I, I actually think maybe they're looking at Partey's injury record um, hmm. and, and maybe thinking <clears throat> actually, you know, if, if he does go down with an injury, that maybe we'll need him to go alongside Xhaka or indeed certain games where we might actually change formation and play with yeah. three out-and-out midfielders, all of differing yeah. capabilities. Is that probably fair? I, I mean, I think it's a case that most managers want two players for every position of either equal quality or slightly differing abilities or skill sets so they can change things up a little bit. Because, I mean, you look at our bench in the, in the Palace game, we had Enketia, Tierney and Lokonga were the players that came on. The rest of the bench, we had El Nene, Love Elneny, but you know he again. He's a limited player. He can he does what he does and he does it very well. But he's not really going to spark a game. We have Pepe, who we know can do things, but it depends what Pepe comes on the pitch and the game situation and everything. Past that, there's not a lot. Now, a centre midfielder isn't the most exciting player to bring on sometimes in a game. But if you wanted to take off Xhaka in that game, if we were maybe struggling a little bit or it's different circumstances, Tillemans is something different to Xhaka. He's, he's got the passing, but what he has got is legs and he will get box to box for you. So I think if you look at the just the centre mid positions, if you said Lekonga is essentially party's backup or rotation player, Xhaka doesn't necessarily have one other than Zinchenko, um, which then obviously could cause a problem depending on Tierney with his fitness. So it would make sense to sign a Tillemans and say, right, you two are fighting out for this spot. Um, maybe in some games we can go, right, Thomas has played, you know, three, four games. We can drop him out of the team this week 
who can play Xhaka and Tillemans because Tillemans will get around the pitch fine and still let Xhaka do his thing. Um, I guess that's the one thing in Granite's favour is that he just seems to be able to just sort of keep going. His fitness levels don't seem to drop. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I would quite happily take Tillemans, but I don't think it's a we sign him and Xhaka goes. I think it's a he will be competing with Xhaka for the position. I don't think he'd come straight in the team by, by any no. means. And and I think what he also adds as well is the ability to, uh, if, if if you do go in for, for Tillemans in particular, mm. he's played for Monaco. He's played in the Europa League and the Champions yeah. League before. He yeah. is your ideal, right, actually we need to give Partey's legs a rest. We're playing Dynamo Tesco from Albania on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's pop Tillemans in, who we know is going to, who's no disrespect to AZ Maitland-Niles or Reese Nelson, yeah. but he's an international, yeah, Belgian international of high calibre who can easily slot into that position and potentially put his, uh, his his place forward for starting 11 at the Premier League at the weekend as well. It's that competition. So, yeah, I guess we will see. It's kind of scary. We've got three weeks of the window left, but hey-ho. Hmm. Um, talk to me about the attack. Um, it, it, it's exciting, isn't it? Gabriel Martinelli looks a... He looks a different animal this season. I don't know what it is. He looks like his pre-season's gone well. He almost looks like a player who, because of the amount of football he missed last season, he looks like a player with a point to prove. Whether there's a World Cup in that, I don't know. But, he, you know, he does look like that player who's just ready to be at it. We know what we're going to get from Bukayo Saka. He's, I mean, he, John touched on the documentary. He, he just comes across as just such a likeable um, intelligent and well-respected individual, and you know he is very much the future of this club. And new contract, please ASAP. And then Gabriel Jesus, is, he's just transformed our our forward line. And um, as, as delighted as I am to see uh, Alex Lacazette having a lovely time at Leon since his return, um, I do wonder where the bloody hell that energy was when he was in London because it's like he's unpacked his backpack. But but Jesus is a different level. As much as I love Laka, he you know Jesus is is just a, he's a tier above. And his energy right from the off on Friday with those two wide players either side of him, it just looks like a more entertaining and more direct, expansive unit, doesn't it, to, to to go into, especially these away games. You've got firepower on the break. Yeah, I think that the word you used there was direct, especially when it comes to uh, Gabby Martinelli. He's so direct. When he gets the ball, he just wants to hurt the defender. You know, he's, he's twisting and turning now. He's, he's dribbling ability. You know, at some point, you know, when he first came in, we looked at him as a, as a centre forward. But now you can see how good he is out wide. You know, um, I don't, you, you don't even think of him, you know, playing up front. I mean, some people still have those, those ideas, but I, I think he's only played up front maybe once under Arteta, but out wide left now. And I think what it is, is he wants to make the position his own now. You know, he's had the competition from, you know, when you're watching All or Nothing, um, you're seeing that he wasn't actually playing the majority of the beginning of the first half of last season. He hardly played. It was obviously uh, ESR was was fully fit then and he was the first choice. He, 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 whenever you saw the team talks, he was always on the bench. But now he's just he's decided, you know, what? I got in a team and the position is mine. Someone's going to have to take the position from him. And now he just needs to add that end product um, to his game, which, to be fair, in preseason he did, and he scored on the first game of the season. So no complaints at all. Then you're looking at um, Saka. Like you said, Saka just he's just a big personality. Uh, he demands respect in the dressing room at such a young age. 20 years old, going on 21. 
he just commands and has this this air. even on the pitch you can see it you know he he demands from referees he demands from the opposition you know they they hate playing against him and um even though he, he was quite quiet but offensively in this game defensively he was you know he had to be at, at on point basically because the, you know the tactics that Palace used was just to turn us basically, just to launch it along with what, what's that the defender's name? Uh, oh, Anderson. Yeah, he just he just, kept, just got the ball and launched it. I mean, his passing was brilliant, but mm. it turned our whole team. So obviously, he had to do a lot of work defensively, um, and then um, obviously, Jesus. Yeah, he he, he did tire out but the first 30 minutes he was absolutely electric he was a nuisance to their defenders their centre-backs the crowd was were not happy you know he was just all over their defenders and I think that's that's what I said about our our, our strikers last even even when Oba was playing he just we just didn't cause defenders enough problems the defenders could could have an off night there was uh, there's a few games that we we could look back on and say the defenders, centre backs might as well not have been there in some some of these games. And, you know, Oba scored. You know, we we watched the, we we seen the documentary. He hardly did anything last season. Let's be honest. So you know, just to have someone who occupies the back line of another team gives them something to worry about. It just makes such a difference. And I think even Eddie, when he came on, he was a nuisance as well. And he, he looked really lively. He's looked sharp all preseason, but. He came on for what fifteen minutes, maybe, and he just looked—he looked lively all, all the fifteen minutes, you know. Mm. So I think there's a more impotence, obviously, on on our attacking play, and that's something I've always held my hands up and said that I just want to see that from our Arteta team. I want to see what our plan going forward is, and if now he's he's adapting, he's getting the players that he wants, and we're going to see more attacking, cohesive attacking football, then. He'll he'll get a thumbs up from me because that's that's the one thing I've always said. I want to see what we're doing going forward, and it, it looks it's a bright start to be fair. Yeah, yeah, good, good take. Well taken goal from Martinelli as well. The the set piece seemed to work a treat with Zinchenko's flick on, and whether it was actually fully by design, I don't know, but um, it, it came well. Off yeah. Well. Did- wasn't it um, when they were asking Arteta, right? He seemed very coy to talk yeah. about it. Maybe yeah. he doesn't want someone poaching his, his set piece coach. Maybe he doesn't want someone, yeah, coming want in somebody and taking it away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I did. Um, yeah, I did, I did like that. What I, what I like most about the goal is that Gabby was in that six yard box, he wasn't, you know, stuck out on the corner of the penalty area or you know, in a, in a non threatening position. If that ball drops, he was there to tuck it away. And similarly, with Saka's goal, well, it's not really Saka's goal, is it? It's an own goal, but. Although that is a cross, he he's in the right position to get that cross into the box where the defender has no option but to put it in his own net. It, I think last season he would have received that ball tight on the touchline and, and maybe just hoisted in, uh, you know, the, the Cedric, as it will now be known as, hoik it in and hope for the best. And, and that's nothing against Cedric. He's a very good deliverer of a dead ball, but... You know, it, it's not ideal when you have no forwards in the box and you're just crossing to nobody. So I thought that was really good that Saka forced the error. Um, in the interest of balance, John, we do have to kind of, you know, look at there was some, some errors or some, some areas that we could probably improve upon. And um, Martin Odegaard probably didn't have his, his most um, or his best night, shall we say. He was tidy. He didn't. I don't think he did anything particularly wrong. Probably should have shot um, at one point, which he very much didn't. Had a, had a touch of the uh, a touch of the um, oh, uh, Alexander Klebs, didn't he? <laughs> but 
he, you know, he's he's a calm. Somebody's, I think it might have been on Askcast where they said he, he comes across as almost a bit boring, and I kind of like that in that he just keeps things going. Wasn't his best night at the office, but no real concerns. Seems like a good fit in that in that captaincy role, and most things that we do well go through him. Yeah, I've got no worries about him at all. Um, like I said, you, you you can assess your own team and their performance uh, to the nth degree, but you do have to take into account the opposition. And this is a very well well drilled Palace team. Uh, the midfield they've got in particular works really hard. Um, Eze, although he was obviously was forward a lot for him, was also getting back. And at times, you know, the first 20, 30 minutes, we were really pressing them and really all over them. But then as they came back into the game, they made it harder and they targeted Erdegaard every time he got the ball. And they were pressing us hard up the pitch and it was harder for us to get the ball to him at times. Um, but yeah, the team did tire, so the pressing wasn't as good. But in terms of him being the captain, I think uh, just as a representative for the club, I think the way he speaks... Um, it is uh, reported, you know, the way he trains and everything, professionalism, all of that's top notch. Like it's very Arsenal and the way you would want it to be. Um, all the other players seem to like him and listen to him. Um, you know, there's there, again in the documentary, there's some good jokes about Tierney when Erdogan comes back and he says, Oh, I heard about how much you're getting paid. Um, you know, so they, they obviously all do still like him. Um, he, on the pitch, I think it's quite clear. You can see he's directing players where to go, especially when organising that press from the front. Um, Jesus has come in and sort of just done it straight away naturally because he's been doing it for five years under Pep, basically playing anywhere across the front. Freeze, he knows what he's doing. But younger players, I know Erdegaard isn't that much older, but Sakura Martinelli, very good players, but you can see Erdegaard is directing them exactly where to go. He's already moving and he's telling Saka where to move or Martinelli. And he's, he's like a mini, he, he's like a chilled out Arteta on the pitch. Um, and our other sort of the captain that no one would ever dare call captain other than me, Granite Xhaka is like the actual Arteta on the pitch who is screaming his head off at everyone, but he understands exactly what the manager wants and where the player should be. Um, and that's, re- I think that's really good to have that like a, a clear leader sort of within the lines of your team. Um, you know, you've got Xhaka in midfield who quite clearly is a leader who everyone also all looks up to. Erdegaard as well in that sort of forward line. I think the younger players do respect him. I mean, if you're someone like Martinelli and Saka and you see a kid come in who at 16 years old signed for Real Madrid and has played, you know, all over Europe and then he's made captain at Arsenal, you're probably going, oh, maybe I should pay attention to him. I know he's only like a year older than me, but you know, he, he seems pretty sensible, captain of his national team as well. Um, and then we've got those leaders as well at the back. You know, we've got a lot of them in the squad now, which is something for years we said, you know, it was like the famous thing of when Vieira left. It's like, oh, we've got no leaders on the pitch anymore. Uh, and now we seem to be sort of uh, full of them. But the best thing about it is that they're all people who seem to respect and get on with each other. They're not egos. They're just really good professionals who know exactly what they want to do. They're happy to call each other out when they make mistakes. We've seen bits of that in the documentary, um, especially from the start of the season. Um, the players are obviously clearly smart as well with some of the things they've said. You, you saw little clips of Xhaka talking about the defence being too far back and worrying about where Lukaku is to like Pablo Marie and players like that and should be pushing further up. And Erdogan's been part of those conversations. Um, he'll have much better games than he did on Friday, but 
I would not be surprised if Palace take points off some of the big teams this season, especially at home. And it really wouldn't surprise me if Palace were probably pushing for a top seven spot uh, under Vieira. If they can, if they get lucky with injuries, it really wouldn't surprise me because they've got some really exciting players there. They're very well organised. They're tough to play at home. Really, really tough. Um, I haven't been to Selhurst Park for years, but I distinctly remember it being one of my favourite grounds to go to because it is one of those old school, you're right on the pitch sort of thing. Um, so it is like a really nice, uh, like cool, exciting atmosphere. Um, but yeah, he, he'll, he'll get better and he'll have much better games. And I know people like to tear into him. But the other thing we do have to remember is he still is 22. Mm-hmm. He's, what, probably six years off of his peak, getting to his peak years, which yeah. is ridiculous when you think about it. So you think about the money we spent to buy him. If he stayed at the club for another 10 years, we've had an absolute steal. Because if he's, if he progresses the way he has been since he's, you know, his first loan move and then permanent move, he's just going to be so, so good. And mm. I just think he's a really good, he's a, he's a calming influence on the pitch, I think, as well, um, yeah. which is a really important thing. So now I'm, I, always, I always like watching him. He, he's just... He he reminds me of a he's a very Veng, Arsene Wenger player because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't even it's not like you need to be quick um, with him he doesn't seem to be that fast but it's like his speed of thought like in the way that Sesk was yeah in the way. he just he just has a vision he knows where every player is on the pitch and Two yeah steps ahead in the yeah, mind, yeah. yeah you know his, yeah. his passing was his passing wasn't a hundred percent in that game but he'll have much much better games than that but you can't you can't put that all on the player you have to give some credit to the opposition. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and like we said, from, you know, from the very off in this podcast, like we've won the game. You know, mm. um, the difference between feeling how we feel tonight and how we felt after Brentford is is oh, yeah. massively different. And you know, it only counts for something if we continue sort of a, mm. against Leicester at the weekend, of course. But yeah, we will cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, I do just want to give a little mention as well to Aaron Ramsdale. Made a couple of of really big saves at key times in that game new number one shirt under his belt, etc. So uh, fair play to him. And he's another character who, for me, comes across really well in that documentary. Um, just <laughs> looks like a properly grounded but quite funny. He, he reminds me of a guy who should be playing cricket. I don't know why. Like, yeah, you know I mean? a bit of a Freddie Flintoff type exactly. character. Exactly. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly who he reminds me of. His mum and dad are uh, absolutely, like, they're solid gold. You know that yeah. if, if anyone's not from the UK, there's a show over here called Gogglebox where it's literally you are watching normal people, just <laughs> total, like, the public watching TV, just like watching Mash of the Day or EastEnders or anything like that. His mum and dad on that programme would be fucking comedy gold, honestly. Yeah. The hats his dad wears, that alone is like worth the, the, the ticket for entry. But yeah, um, there's, I mean, I, I think we are doing a pod at some point, aren't we, about the documentary? But yeah, some of the reactions and stuff to when they're watching his first game for Arsenal. I love it. And he just, he does seem just very down to earth. And he's just like, yep, yeah, I'm just, I'm at Arsenal now. I've, I've, I've sort of, I've made it this far and now I've got to prove myself. Yeah. yeah, and, and he ca- and he yeah. came in and, and he made no mistake about it. He took that shirt from Burnt Lanner, didn't he? he oh made, yeah, he made yeah. him. He put himself in the front and centre, and he trained hard. And, and obviously, mm. we needed to change at that point. But yeah, it's not a knock on Burnt Lanner. It's just the fact that mm. that um, Ramsdale took he, he, had, he had some shaky moments in the game as well. Um, mm. That's what I like about yeah. Ramsdale. He's he, last season he had a few shaky moments, but he never let his head drop. No. He'd, just get back up and he'd get on with it and he'd be like, no, this is the way the manager wants us to play. This is where we're going to play. We're going to play it from the back. It's risky, but 
this is the way we play. Because you saw plenty of times last season when it works, you do that build up from the back and you draw that team onto you, you just bang, instantly exploit the space and you've got three, four people just beyond the whole team and there's yeah. nothing they can do about it. So, no, um, nice. yeah, I, I love his attitude. I think he's great. Yeah, yeah. And I'll hold yeah. my hands up and say I thought it was a lot of money at the time. <laughs> I wasn't sure. But yeah, oh, it's worth it for that, that pass out to Zinchenko. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't, he, yeah. he doesn't have like the, that. The commentator was like, oh. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know what? John just said he, he fancies Palace to finish high. I was just thinking that they just don't score enough goals. And then I was thinking, where's where was our old nemesis? That only scores two goals a season. It's oh, always Benteke, against us. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I just, he's left. Yeah. He's gone to DC United. Oh, he's left. I now, didn't. Really? I didn't know he'd gone to MLS. I knew he'd left, but oh, on, that's interesting. On the fifth, so probably the is that the day that we played, the fifth of August. Yeah, it would have been, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah he's he left yeah. on on the same day that we played them. That was. His, I just. His, I think. I think Palace have got. Okay. You know. I mean, Edward, I do like. He's yeah. not going to get you a ton of goals, but he, maybe 10 to 15. Zaha's going to get 10, probably. Obviously, he gets penalties and stuff. But I think you, if Eze starts chipping in with goals, Mateta is yeah, a good player. He's a good different option. Alise um, as well. Yeah, Alise as well, obviously, to come back. Um, I, th- I think they've got some good players in there. I just think that they won't be maybe the most exciting, like big, big scoreline team, like 3 4 nils or anything like that. There might be more tight games like 1-0, 2-1, things, that sort of stuff. I think they'll just sort of grind through results. Mm-hmm. Well, now, that we've, yeah. Yeah. now that we've been to their ground, I don't mind them beating a, a few yeah. of them. Oh, right. yeah, 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 absolutely. Especially Spurs. I'll be, yeah, I'll be yeah, cheering exactly. Paddy on all the way. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We um we touched on we while we while we're there, fam, let's touch on the rivals because it was a it was a mixed weekend. I mean, Chelsea went and beat Everton. I thought Everton were pretty poor, to be honest. I don't it wasn't that Chelsea were that impressive, I just thought Everton weren't particularly great. You know, Chelsea won on the penalty. <laughs> yeah. Um we we all saw what happened to, to, to Man United. <laughs> oh, imagine being a United fan. I shouldn't go too early, it's only August, but Christ on a bike. Oh Naltovich, Rabio, bloody hell. That's the sound of the barrel being scraped right there. But um fair play, Brighton outplayed them for long periods. Um Got that one bang on in my score predictor as well. I had two one Brighton. There you go. Knowledge. Um, I don't think we can class Liverpool and Man City as rivals, although, you know, it it did amuse me greatly to see Trent Alexander-Arnold attempt to defend the cross against Mitrovic. (laughs) That was the highlight of my Saturday. But, um, but yeah, and then, then of course, we look at the obvious sort of teams around us, and I guess Spurs would be the ones that that jump off the page. Um, And at the risk of, I hope Ross isn't watching, um, I thought Southampton were, were pretty poor once they conceded the equaliser and then they seemed to just fall apart, apart like a, a house of cards, which they do have a tendency to do under Hassan Hootl. Um Naturally, Spurs fans have been wanking themselves blind ever since that and, uh, uh, you know, announced the Champions League and, and Premier League and FA Cup treble already because they are morons. But which of those teams did you look at at the weekend and think, yeah, either... There are shambles, or oh, actually, they might be a bit better than they are. Yeah, I'm not going to even lie to you. When Spurs came on on match of the day, I changed the channel. I'd refuse. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to, especially when if they lose, I'm alright. I'll watch it, but no, I don't want to see everyone gushing over them. So I'll I'll park them to one side. Um, Liverpool look shaky, unusually, and. 
for them, they lost Thiago. I'm hearing well, the, the rumors are it could be a long term injury as well. Oh, really? And he's yeah, he, he pinged his hamstring, and they're saying that it was the same injury he had just before the Champions League final. But mm. now they're saying he could be out for a, a month, a couple of months. So that's mm. a big injury for them. So let's watch that space. They might go out and sign another central midfielder because uh, they do seem to have. I don't know how Jurgen Klopp is a miracle worker because when I look at their midfield, I'm like, how, how does he even do it? I mean, he's still got Oxley Chamberlain, I guess Milner. The, Milner. Yeah, like it's so weird. Like um, Kanate's injured as well, so the, you know, there's a there's, they might have a, a, a tough start. You know, uh, Chelsea and Spurs play each other next, which is will be interesting. <laughs> That's, that'll it, be very um, interesting. Isn't it Liverpool United as well? Is it? Yeah. Oh, I don't. Even, no, United. Um, yeah, no, Liverpool, United got, no, United Liverpool got like an easy run. Yeah, they're oh, always, and then, whenever and then it's United Liverpool after that. Oh, okay. oh is it? They, yeah. Oh, at home, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, you you look at a few of these things, and I look. You look at our fixtures. I, I don't even want to jinx it. I'm not even going to say it, but no, we, we all know what you're thinking. We, yeah, we we got a nice set of fixtures. That was probably the hardest of our next four fixtures, if, if we're being realistic. So, um, Man City are Man City, you know. Yeah, the, 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 Harlan just adds a different dimension to their game. Now they can have those games where they don't play well, and De Bruyne will just find him because his movement and his pace is unbelievable. It's just frightening. Um, so, you, you know, we, we, we Chelsea did not look at the races, like you said, Everton were nothing to write home about. But Chelsea weren't. Their goal scoring is is going to cause them problems, <laughs> you know. They, but the only thing with Chelsea is I can see them going big towards the end of the window, especially in the forward areas. Um, mm-hmm. They they seem to be clearing out a bit of um, a bit of forwards with Werner and uh, Odson Adoy looking like they're leaving. I'm sure they're going to add a couple of proper strikers in 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 the window. Um, who uh, Brighton always impressed me. I'm, I'm, I don't want I, I don't want Joss to hear me say that, but they always impressed me, especially at the start of the season. I'm glad we're not playing them at the start of the season. They, they always start strongly, and Danny Welbeck just had um, Martinez in his pocket. I mean, there's a reason why we were signing Martinez to play him at left back and not at centre back, which was all the rumours. And Man United signed him and then benched Rafa Varane for him and. It was just an absolute disaster, mm. and that's and Ben. T- I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but um, Welbeck is not the best striker in this league. <laughs> He's not the most physical striker in this league. So you, they're gonna, and the managers just seemed to not have a clue what was going on. He said he was shocked at. He said he was shocked at Southampton. Uh, sorry, at Brighton's tactics. That Brighton went long. You, you know, he obviously studied for one style of play from Brighton. And they just said, you know what? We're just going to pull the same thing that Palace pulled against us. They know that you're going to press them, so you know what? Let's just go long. Brighton just went mm-hmm. long, and and Welbeck had a field day. So <laughs> he's, I, I think, he's in for a rude awakening, unfortunately. So yeah, let, let's see what happens. But yeah, now nah, it, it, it's going to be good to see our rivals playing each other the next couple of weeks. We can just, if yeah. we can just do our job, sit back and relax and watch those games. Yeah, I'll be happy it, is, <laughs> it is early days, of course, and, and until I was yeah. saying this earlier on on our French pod that, you know, it's so hard to judge these squads at the moment because we know that 
a club with a bit of money or a club that urgently needs to shift players are going to look very different in two or three weeks when the end of the window comes around. Um, and one of those clubs that might look very different, we're not going to sort of preview the game as such, but our next game is is home to Leicester, John, and they chucked away a 2-0 lead at home to Brentford. Uh, Brendan Rodgers uh, was um, his usual self, pretty much blaming everything but himself, of course. Um, but yeah, they they look a bit... They, they've got some good players, let's not make any bones about it, and they're the sort of team that you know, you probably look at at home, all home to Leicester should be three points and it only takes one breakaway, Jamie Vardy goal in the 10th minute and you're, you're going, oh Christ, we've got to fight against this for another 80 minutes and not getting a result out of it. But they look like a club that's that's in a bit of a mess at the moment. We've, we've got to take advantage of that, haven't we, going into the a three o'clock on a Saturday of all things. Yeah. Um, we've, got, we've got to be looking to get back-to-back wins first home game of the season, haven't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I would expect... That the you'll see the tempo that you saw in the Palace game from the start, but I would expect it to last longer. And if we get the first goal, which I think we will, I mean personally, I'd put it down as a win. Um, I, I think you'll see us press for more. The the difference of the home games, we saw how much better we were at home last season than we were away. Um, that sort of energy that comes from the crowd and everything does make a difference. The 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 you know mythical twelfth man or whatever. Um, but yeah, Leicester have got really good players, um, but I think there's so much uncertainty around the club um, in terms of what's going on with the finances, what players are going to leave. You've got reports of, obviously, Tillemans uh, definitely apparently wants to leave and it looks like his mind's made up that it is Arsenal, which is, I'm guessing, why we're probably waiting until the last minute to try and get him as cheap as possible, um, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. I think it's something Arsenal have been guilty of in the past that we haven't tried to haggle enough for, for players' prices and whilst he's playing at Leicester he's still going to play every week so he's going to be match fit if we do get him on the last week of the window but that's fine with me uh, Madison to Newcastle was one I saw I think possibly yeah, yeah. that's um, how it works apparently yeah, yeah. Uh, Fafana may be leaving as well he's probably one of the he's been one of the most sort of exciting new defenders who's coming in the, into the league the last few years um, you know, Vardy's still a good player, but he is really their only goal scorer um, and he's getting on. Mm. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if people started coming in for players like Ndidi or, or the young uh, kid, uh, double barrel name, uh, Dewsbury Hall? Dewsbury Hall, yes. Yeah. Conservative. Yeah. Yes. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if someone tried to come in for, you know, a player like that as well. And then if the money goes, what happens with Rogers? Does he want to stay? Is it like is it now it's a completely different project to get tempted by going somewhere else? Um, but yeah, you still have to go out and win because, like you say, they are good players. And if they want to turn up for a game, they, they've certainly got the ability. But I would expect to win at home. And just just the thing about our rivals, um, yeah, I wouldn't pay any attention to the Spurs results, to be perfectly honest. Southampton yeah. were good, until, like you said, until they conceded. Um, I think Liverpool will be fine and will be challenging City. Um, I don't think we're going to get anywhere near them or, or City this season. I don't think anyone is. Uh, the fact they've got that fucking robot up front now, Man City, is ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I did like his first interview straight away swearing. That was great. Yeah. It's so funny, Holland. He's so yeah. funny. 
It's like, oh, you should have got, should you have got the Hadrick? Uh, yeah, it was a bit shit. <laughs> so good. And then I just like the fact, I like the fact that he immediately went, oh, I'm not allowed to say shit. It's just like, yeah. it's just straight in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, anybody that wrote him off after that Charity Shield performance, yeah. I mean, he is, he is for me the second best striker in world football right now. Yeah. Um, uh, that's just the way it is, um, and that and he will prove his worth. And I think a few people were saying like Man City won have won these leagues all these seasons without a proper out and out number nine. Imagine what they're going to do with one, which is mm-hmm. kind of another way of looking at it. Um, and they were pretty impressive, has to be said. Against the West Ham weren't great, but you can only be they're, they're, they're a decent team. And West Ham at home, you know, away sorry at West Ham is is not an easy game. Moyes yeah. knows how to set up a team to defend properly and. They've still got some big physical runners that can try and hit you on the counter. Um, they yeah. definitely weren't at their best, but it's still not an easy game. Um, yeah. the, the interesting thing, I think, in terms of our rivals, all like uh, Femi said, Chelsea, do they go out and spend a load of money? But if they mm-hmm. do spend a load of money, do they actually buy the right players? You know, like Probably. I've all, I've liked Koulibaly, but is he the same Koulibaly that everyone wanted a few years ago? I don't mm-hmm. know. Is he, is he past the point where he can adapt to a new league now? You know, time will tell. He's still He was still a very good defender in Syria, but whether he can still do it at this level, I don't know. Um, Man United, the players they've been linked with now, I mean, I, I know they're a bit like Arsenal in that they get linked with absolutely everyone. But if that is true, that they had a bid rejected for Arnautovic, that's fucking comical. Oh, like, no, um, not a bit rejected. They've gone back in with another. Yeah, bit. Another oh, one. yeah. <laughs> and, and apparently the Rabia deal is is very close, if if not being done. So yeah, the, I mean that's the, the thing. I mean, if if I was a United fan when Ten Hag was announced, I would have been like, oh, at last, an actual football coach mm. coming into club. This is exciting. And then you see the transfers they've done. And you've gone. Oh, they didn't put anyone above him to actually do the transfers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, got that clown, whoever that was, that oh, guy was before. Yeah, because oh, just... yeah. I mean, they, they've just got no midfield. And like Rabio, Rabio is a Rolls Royce of a player when yeah, he wants when he wants to play when he wants to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that the, the concern for me is not how good a footballer Rabio is. It's more yeah. the concern of why Juventus don't want him. That would be yeah. my <laughs> and and all the baggage that comes in the shape of his mother um, as well yeah. is a slight concern. But yeah, yeah, he's on his day. He's he's a world class footballer, but there's a reason why he's sort of drifted down the packing order and mm-hmm. has drifted away from clubs. But um, yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Right. Um, we are sort of in the last knockings of the pod because uh, this whole new look, ABW, we're going to be succinct. We're going to be on time. and We're going to be consistent this season, an hour or an hour and 15 there or thereabouts. And we're done. So um, we're going to ask for some questions. We've got a couple already. Now, before we go into the questions, guys, I just want us to all just, Take a moment, just close our eyes and just just rub our hands together and just think about let's just manifest the moment of what we're gonna put. <gasps> it fucking works. It fucking works. <laughs> I love the fact did, they took the piss out of him afterwards as well. Though. Yeah, I did. Yeah. But but do you know do you know what I did like about that? Is when Alba clearly did take the mick. I liked yeah. the fact Arteta could laugh at himself. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 and he was doing that, it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you know great, full yeah. well he went home that night and he went into Mrs. Arteta and he went, "They're all fucking idiots. They don't fucking <laughs> understand. They don't see it." He volleyed his cat up and down. The, the, you know, he he was livid, yeah, yeah, yeah. but in that moment he was happy. And and the oh, interview, no, that was 
was, he knows, and the interview he uses, with, it's clear he knows how to talk to the players though and get like and individually or as a group yeah just well, it's like it's like edu wasn't it that that yeah. where edu goes in the canteen and says Mikel looks a bit more loose he looks a bit he's yeah. clearly a manager that when he's winning he loosens up yeah, well, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that's yeah. the difference between him and Guardiola, who you know is just mm. wired twenty four seven. I feel like Arteta actually enjoys the I, moments. I, and you I see could that. not sit in a room with Guardiola. Like, I'd love to talk to him, but I think after about ten minutes, I'd just be like, my brain's going to explode. I've got a fucking. Oh god, lose. yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd have you like he'd be going down the the inner workings of the door lock within five yeah. minutes. When he'd be like, Christ, Pep, give it a rest, mate. Yeah. Jesus. But yeah, um, but no, it, it was it was a good moment to be fair. So um, mm. fair play to Arteta for for that. I'm still not sure about you'll never walk alone on the speaker. So that was a bit. That was a bit a bit out there, but you know that was a bit, that was a bit Brendan. But I, I got that it. was a bit Brendan. I, I, did I did get it, but yeah. And one other thing, just quickly, I know we've done reviews on these shows, but one other thing that I I actually really liked was this Carlos Cuesta fella. Yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I quite like that. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. he's a young player, and the way he spoke to Nuno and the mm. way he comes across, he seems like a very likable. And whether you believe in sports psychology or not, I personally do. It clearly does give the players that sort of um, opportunity yeah. to step away from Arteta and talk about how they feel. And I just, I think he, I think he's doing an underrated job in that dressing room. I think he comes across yeah. as a really likable fella, as does Gary O'Driscoll, the doctor. Who, oh, yeah, if yeah. I ever get an injury, I'd love to have him just pop over. And <laughs> it just seems like talk, a lovely he bloke. Talk, <laughs> he talks like a robot, though, doesn't he? he does, <laughs> so <laughs> precisely. <laughs> when they did that medical with with Ramsdale, he's like, "Ever had any injuries? No, none." Okay, cool. We'll sign you then. I was just like, hang on. Maybe you should do some tests, Gary. I don't know. You know, but hey. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and you know what? Um, I, I, I got to say, Nuno Tavares, for me, I felt so sorry for him watching that. Yeah. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. he looks so um, lonely, let's say. Yeah. He so, he just, yeah, yeah he, he did. He did. He looked like he, and it, it just shows you, you know, like people are saying it shows you the human side of these guys mm. like he's come he's very young come from yeah. a different country he spoke good english you know but yeah. it's very like arteta was like Distant. i just can't get anything out of him yeah, it, yeah i exactly. found that so fascinating he's like i can't get anything out of him what can we do about that well, that's, and, that's uh, one of the things i really liked that arteta was like really keen he was like right someone we need to get someone who can in a room with nuno who can talk, talk and communicate yeah. with him because mm-hmm. He clearly rates him in training. He's like, yeah. training is perfect. And I he's, think that's, a, this loan is really good for him. I was just going to say, I mean, he scored on his debut for Marseille yeah, last night against goal. Rams. Um, following Balogun got one back for Rams as well mm-hmm. on his debut, which is great to see. Um, in a weekend where Aaron Ramsey scored for Nice, it's quite the, quite the weekend in France for Arsenal players. <laughs> or Arsenal players. scored as well, right? Lacazette yeah. scored as well. But yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I think I think Tavares. I I don't think his future will be at Arsenal. I think he may just be mm. a slight level below. But the the athletic side of him and the ability to go forward, no issues there whatsoever. It's more mm. his defensive issues, and you know he he's going to look good against Rams at home. To be fair, yeah. bless him. Um, but yeah, I think we saw in that documentary that it, particularly Anfield, once he made that mistake, his head went and, and he, yeah. he struggled to recover. And that's that's the young player abroad where, you know, they probably do need to give him that season out on loan. And, and let's be fair, sending players to Marseille has worked out pretty well so far in terms of monetary value or getting players back twice the level they were at before they left. So yeah. You know, uh, and Igor Tudor will not take any shit, will he, John? No. Um, <laughs> as he's already shown by outing several players at Marseille. 
anywho, um, let's have a look at some of these questions. And we are going to keep these quick fire because we've got about five minutes left. So um, Avon wanted to ask us, uh, Femme, you can have this one. Don't know much about the player, uh, but what do you make of the links of Jeremy Pino? If you don't know much about him, don't worry. Um, I know a little bit, but basically okay. he's a nippy, intricate winger at Villarreal. He's a youngster. Um, I... I like it, but do you think that's the sort of profile of player we should be going for, or would you be rather going for a player who's more, shall we say, crafted, ready to play right now? Because I don't think Pino really is at this level yet. See, now, this, this is the thing. I don't know much about him, but I do remember now. I mean, I, I looked up. I was like, okay, why, why have we been linked with this guy randomly today? And um, I remember one game only that he played, and that was the Europa Cup final against was it the final against man united and he came on for mm. that other fast winger um is it too crazy yeah crazy yeah got injured early on and he came on i remember that and i thought 80 he had a really good game because i really wanted him to win that game for obvious reasons <laughs> um yeah he had a really good game um but like i said i i, I don't know what is he 19 so maybe it's it's you're looking at, okay, Saka's going to start majority of games. He's quite, they're saying 30-something million, so that seems to be about the price that we're, we're going at the moment. It kind of makes sense if Saka's going to sign a new contract um, and stay, that you, you might want to sign a more reliable quality on the study, because mm -hmm. clearly Pepe is just not relied on. So there's no, I mean, there's you can't, Saka, and Saka just can't play every game every minute like he did last season. So it's, it's interesting. We've been linked with two or three wingers this weekend again. So the links are starting to come back up now that players are leaving. So I, th I think we'll still do a couple more before the window yeah. closes. But whoever knows more about him can, can say I'm, I'm not the best, you know. No, I mean, I, I, I think... I think, like you've said yourself there, I think, you know, it's clearly a project type of signing. But I also think it, like you mentioned there, it for me, a winger comes in if Pepe goes. If Pepe doesn't, we don't get a winger. It's just simple as that because you know, I think Pepe's clearly sort of open to a move if they can find him one. Equally, I'm sure he's quite happy to stay, you know, in terms of where he is and where his career is at at the moment. Um, yeah, I think that probably will, we'll see a bit more movement on that in the coming weeks. Lucas Torreira's gone today. That's permanent. So, Thanks for the North London derby, Lucas. Um, that was probably the height of his time. Yeah. And There's he's only a couple more to leave, isn't there? Because if you look at the squad that went to um, America, there was, what, 33 of them? Yeah. I'd say uh, there's probably we... four, maybe five we could... Yeah, Runison, Runison probably goalkeeper Maitland Niles, maybe Maitland Nelson. Niles, Bellerin. Bellerin, yeah. Mari... Yeah, Ma Mari's in talk to Verona, isn't he, John? Yeah. Verona in? Yeah, there's a few teams in Italy uh, who are looking at him, so um, yeah. I would expect someone to pick him up. Yeah. And Pepe Stroke Nelson. Yeah, mm. yeah. So the, compared to what was there, uh, you know, about two weeks ago, we've we started stripping them down. So mm. if we can spend the next, you know, week or two just getting rid of anyone else, then it gives you a clear run towards the end of the window just to bring yeah. players in. Yeah, I think they've got a decision to make on Marquinhos as well. Do they keep him around or do they send him on loan? Because he's clearly they're clearly keeping him around at the moment to see how he trains and whether he fits. Too good for the under twenty ones, isn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, and and he, you know, he's, he to me looks physically ready. It's whether yeah. 
it's whether he's Tavares ready or not. It's whether he's going to sort of, you know, mm. that wide position for Arteta is so key to track him back. If we suddenly get in a situation where, you know, ESR's injuries are still a bit of a, a rough one or Martinelli and Saka go down and we're like, Christ, we've got to throw this kid in. We've got to know he's going to do the tracking, not just... For me, yeah. Marquinhos is that player you play in the in the uh, Europa League as a sub and you play him in the, the League Cup early rounds yeah. and see how he gets on. But yeah, we shall uh, we shall see. Um so I asked this one, John. Which team had the toughest game over the weekend out of the top six? Oh, um, honestly, it's probably pretty close between us and United. Mm. Um, and City, probably, with West Ham. Yeah, although he's City arrival. Yeah. Well, <laughs> top mean, six, I suppose, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think the thing is with City that they can steamroll any team if they're really on it, whether it's home or away, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. barring maybe one or two teams across the whole of Europe. Um I'd probably I'd probably edge it and actually say Man United probably had the harder game just because of Palace's disruptive preseason. If they hadn't had such a disruptive preseason and Elise was fit, then I would have argued that ours was the hardest game. But it's pretty close between those two because like people saw last season, Brighton, I know mugs. I know they tailed off a little bit towards the end, but Potter's a really good coach, they've got great players, they really know the system very well. Uh, they can chop and change who's in and out of the squad and they all know exactly what to do. Um, and it's funny because United are a shit show. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and Fulham, I thought, look, really, their pressing's really good. I'm, I've yeah. got tickets. I'm coming up to see the Fulham game mm. with uh, with Jace, formerly this parish. God help me. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly concerned uh, about that. Um, so. I'm interested to see how good they'll be away from home. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think we'll be really good at home this season. I yeah, think, yeah. Um, we need we need to make it the fortress, don't we? For sure. Yeah, yeah the, the atmosphere. I mean, the away atmosphere the other day was incredible. Some of the songs mm. they were singing, the the, yeah, the Vieira chant at, when we were winning was just mm. the man. You could hear that through the whole stadium. We seem to yeah. just take over that whole stand of that stadium, which yeah. at Palace, you know, I mean, what. What was it three, four years ago where we lost three 0 and they were booing, mm, yeah. booing, booing someone and uh, Bellerin, Bellerin, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't yeah, think yeah. they were pulling Bellerin. I think he went to take the throw in. So oh, that was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, look at look how far we've come from from those mm. days. You know, so. yes, yeah, giant step forward for sure. Um, I'll take this one from Noza because it's a nice quick win. Who's the Who's the best striker? Because I said. Uh, Haaland is the second best striker in the world yeah we all know Kylian Mbappe is, is the best striker in world football right now it just is I'm sorry if you don't like it fight me it's just facts so you know um, <laughs> and we got on from William Orr uh, don't you guys think that we need to lock in Tielemans because United and several other rivals um, are also thin in the middle Liverpool and Chelsea have ageing centre mids United are weak um, we can all just do this quickly for 30 seconds if you like to wrap it up. Personally, um, I'm with, I think, what you said there, John. I think I'm with you. If, if we've clearly got personal terms agreed, that's pretty obvious to me. We wouldn't be, you know, we've, we've clearly done our due diligence in that regard. It's clear that he wants to join us. That doesn't mean, of course, that he couldn't be snapped up by somebody else. See Rafinha on that one. But I just feel like we've got an agreement. I almost feel like Leicester probably know we've got an agreement as well and are just waiting to see. Um, they haven't signed anyone, let's not forget Leicester. So they are going to have to reinforce their squad before they can decide 
who they're going to let go, or at least if they got, if they know they're going to lose for final or Tiedemans, they're going to want to sign somebody. Um, and I actually think the Dewsbury Hall um, sort of, uh, well, his rise, I guess is a way to put it, that's probably what opens the door for Tiedemans to go. That said, he was very good at the weekend. So I'm, I'm pretty calm with it. I'd like to see him in. And i be honest, I think if we got to the end of the window and we didn't have him, I'd be a little bit disappointed just because I think we, I know we've got Fabio Vieira to come, but he's, you know, we don't know what we're going to get there. So, yeah, I, I think we'll get it done. Um, but I'm not too concerned about rivals coming in because I think Chelsea and Liverpool in particular have got their eyes on other particular players. And I think United... Um, I mean, they still think Frankie de Jong's coming, don't they? So we'll let them do what they need to do. Uh, either of you have any concerns about leaving our business, whether it be Tielemans or anyone else, to, to the last minute? No, no, no. Like I said, I think it, it did get. It does get to a point where you need to get get a few players out. And if you look at your fixtures and you think you, you don't need that particular player for that, you know, set of matches, then. You, you, I mean, the, the 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 funny thing is, there's no usually on transfer deadline week. There's an international break. This year mm-hmm. there isn't one, so the players will just come straight in and and do everything and get get into game time. Where usually you'd have that as soon as the uh, window closes, you have that two week break um, where players don't even have their pictures taken, for example, and then they come back and do all that <laughs> stuff. So yeah, it's 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 interesting, but it's like I said, it like you said, it's probably it's pl- maybe teams have gone in for him, and he's kind of told them, "No, well, you know, I've already got an agreement with Arsenal, and that's where my heart is set, and it, it will happen." Kind of like what happened with uh, Thomas Party, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. everyone knew he was going to come, and it just happened on the last day. So yeah, you know, I expect it to happen. I, I, I think, like you said, Jacka. More than doing enough, a good enough job there. Um, with Tierney coming back, if you need cover there, uh, Zinchenko can move to the, that side as well. So, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not overly worried. I would imagine Liverpool and Chelsea would be looking at different types of centre mids than Tillemans. Um, the sort of quote unquote higher tier, because I don't think Tillemans is regarded in sort of the you know, in the Frankie de Jong level, if you like. Mm. Um, and I think United, with the whole Frankie de Jong absolute disaster that that is, uh, I think they'll go to the last day of the window to try and get that done, get mm. over the line. Because he's like, I mean, if we had a chance at Frankie de Jong, I'd be like, oh, God. fucking throw the money at him, whatever he yeah. is. I don't care. Well, he's, he's amazing. He, trans- he transforms United, <clears throat> not just their midfield, he transforms yeah. everything about that United side. He's that good. So that yeah, worries yeah, yeah. me slightly. He's he's a very good player. He's a player who could walk into any team in in uh, in this country. Um, yeah, he's that great. good. Um, so I think they will push that until the last other window. They're not going to be looking at someone else. And like you said, I'd be surprised if the Tillemans deal doesn't happen. If it doesn't, yeah, like you, Chris, I'd be a little bit disappointed. But I'd imagine it is a case of the wait till the last week. It might be last day of the window. It happens um, just because it would get the lowest price. Maybe gives less than more time to try and bring someone in. And I wouldn't be surprised if we did get another forward. I do think the Pepe going or not will make will be part of that decision. Um, I'm not necessarily sure it will be the be-all and end-all of it if Pepe doesn't go. It's probably mm. more his it's probably more his wages than it is a fee that we'd get for him uh, that would be the stumbling block. But, 
if Maitland-Niles and Nelson go and then Marquinhos goes on loan and Pepe is still there, I think there is then room for another forward still, even if Pepe is still at the club. Just mm. because you've only really then got, you know, you've got Enketia can play wide, Jesus can as well, but then you're taking away from other positions in the team. Smith Rowe can play wide, but again, you're taking away from a sort of rotation number 10, if you like, for Odegaard. Um, well, you've still so, got Vieira, the forgotten man. Yeah, yeah, and Vieira is kind of the forgotten new signing, but you don't know how yeah. quickly he's going to adapt. Um, I would mm. guess he's probably going to play wide to start with more than in, in the middle. Um, he'll he'll be vengerized. Yeah, I <laughs> imagine he'll be. Yeah, I'd imagine he'll be mm. vengerized, and you'll probably see him more Europa League at first. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, he was amazing in the under twenty ones tournament. I think he was player of the tournament. Um, yeah. I do remember watching him, and I was like, "Wow, this kid's ridiculous." But then everyone in that fucking tournament was unbelievable. So <laughs> if it was down to me, I probably would have signed like half the players. <laughs> It's a growing market, Portuguese central footers. The lad Vitinha who's gone into PSG was yeah. was superb at the weekend and he's mm-hmm. keeping Renato Sanchez out of that team at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, there is a few of those Portuguese ballers out there for sure. But mm-hmm. like you guys, um, I sort of feel like Tielemans is a deal that's there to be done if we want to do it. It's just whether we want to do yeah. it. And then the forward, I think, yeah, I, th- I think I still think the forward is a priority just just purely in terms of numbers. And I think I said it on the last pod, I, I don't want a player who can play four different positions I want yeah. a forward you know somebody not somebody who takes away Eddie's Eddie's opportunities because Eddie to be fair to him he, he stuck around when he didn't have to um, you know he, he kept faith with with uh, getting that new contract and, and he stuck with us when he could easily have, have gone somewhere else so I think he he rightfully should be the player who plays when Jesus needs a rest or joins him yeah. but I'd like to see that guy who you know either sits on the bench until the 70th minute and we bring him on or or a guy who's just, you know, quite happy to come in and do a job who's maybe a bit of a journeyman um, in the Giroud kind of mould, I guess. Oh, but if, there Cavani, if Cavani didn't want so much money, I'd sign him up today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even even like, I know Luis Suarez went back to Uruguay, somebody of that yeah. kind of um, kind of thing. Uh, just on the chat there, Alexis Sanchez is off to Marseille. <laughs> Wrong yeah. type of striker, but yeah. Yeah, even even like like Marseille have signed, signed last year, they signed Cedric Bacambu. It's that kind of play. It doesn't need to be a name. It doesn't need to be a high-end centre-forward. I, I can't think of anyone in the Premier League that's like Diego Costa, good lord, no thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't think of any names off the top of my head that, that are what you'd call journeyman strikers who no. it's almost like a like a Danny Ings. It's uh, Ollie Watkins, I think, would want to play, but it's someone in that mould, but just somebody who's I, willing I, to. I, I still think it's a winger, not a centre forward, personally, that we'll end up yeah. with. And I'm, I'm praying. I'm absolutely praying to Mohammed and Jesus because you're both in our squad now. So. Praise all the faiths um, that it's it's Neto from Wolves. Oh my mm. God! Please give me Neto. Just just take Gonzalo Guedes, and we'll yeah. have Neto, and everyone's happy. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neto is def- definitely ticks a few boxes, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Um, excellent. Right. Well, we'll tick a few boxes and uh, and get out of here because uh, we said we would, and that's what we're going to do. Um, big thank you to everyone who's joined us in the chat live tonight. Um, we started in the light. It's now dark. Winter is coming, everyone. But uh, yeah, we will be back after the Leicester game um, for memory. We've got the preview show ahead of that. I think I don't know when the next episodes of Dude are released. I presume it's later this week. Um, 
the next three. There's only eight in the series, isn't there? So I presume three more released this week. So we will uh, probably do a pod on those, I would imagine. Uh, we'll leave that in the capable hands of Danny. Um, but yes, other than that, this has been our first sort of official pod of the new season. It has been fun. Um, if you do watch us on YouTube and you want to help out supporting and all that, um, do give the subscribe and thumbs up a hit and all that jazz because it does help with the algorithm and all that. And as everyone knows, there are approximately 4,897 Arsenal podcasts every day released. So, um, you know, we, we've got to try and keep ourselves relevant somehow, even though we were one of the first and still one of the best to do it. Facts. If I do say so myself, um, and we wouldn't be that without our guests. So many thanks to Femi. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, sir. Cheers all. See you very soon. You will indeed. And thank you, John. Uh, thank you very much. Um, Ismail Asar has just scored an absolute fucking worldie for Watford. Sorry, I've just cool. seen it come up on there's, my uh, Twitter. There's yeah. another one who won't be at Watford at the end of this window, by the way. So. Good Lord. That is in his own half. Well-y. Wow. Yeah. If you haven't seen the goal that Gangom scored at the weekend, that's... Oh, I saw that as well. Jesus Christ, that was ridiculous. <laughs> Good Lord. Wow. <laughs> anyway, before we go off on another tangent, we will get out of here. Um, our thanks to Danny, who's in the background, pressing all the buttons and doing all that good stuff. Appreciate you, as always, Danny. And Love Chat XYZ, best adult dating site, is the sponsor of this. No, it's not. Um, thank you very much for joining us. We will be back after Leicester. If you're going to the game, please do stay safe. Look after yourselves. Um, and even if you're not going, do that anyway, because it's good for you. Uh, this has been A Burke at Wonderland and Arsenal podcast. I've been your host, Chris. Thanks, as always, for joining us. And we will catch you after the next game. Leicester at home. Take care. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.